0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner. A weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today's show is about the Salt Lake Temple and the endowment. I thought that was fitting because the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is in the midst of a great restoration project, which will make the Salt Lake Temple much less prone to damage from earthquakes, and it will also change the interior of the temple in some pretty significant ways. Why? Because the temple will be film and not live endowment sessions. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that term endowment, let's take a step backward in time and discuss where the endowment ritual came from. It's always spoken of today as the endowment, but the original name, as described by Joseph Smith and is found in several places in the Doctrine and Covenant, is the endowment of power from on high. Joseph Smith believed that he had received power from God through the visions that he had received and the blessings which God, his Son Jesus Christ, and many angels had bestowed upon him, including John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John, and many, many others. All of those great blessings, Joseph Smith believed others could share in. And one of the ways that they could share in the blessings and connection of God was to have the same kind of endowment or gift from heaven that would give them power. The endowment or gift of power from on high was how Joseph Smith conceived of The endowment ceremony. It was first enacted or given on the second story of the Newell K. Whitney store as part of the School of the Prophets. The School of the Prophets consisted of a number of church leaders who got together to discuss and learn many great things about heaven, about earth, about society, about many, many different topics. But one of the greatest ones was about the endowment. It was taught by Joseph Smith to all those who were present, but it was never written down because it was considered to be too sacred. When the saints moved from Kirtland, they, of course, took the endowment with them, but only in their minds, it was not written down. The endowment in Kirtland was not something that was ever actually carried out or performed in the Kirtland Temple. The endowment was something that was done in extra special sacred places, and the Kirtland Temple was a public place. There were public meetings. There were public councils and conferences and meetings that were held in the Kirtland Temple. It was a different kind of a temple. When the saints next moved to Nauvoo, you found a temple there that, although not completed at the time Joseph Smith was killed, was closer to the kind of temple that we now find in the other temples of the world, but first in the Salt Lake Temple. And this design, this kind of temple, was conceived by Brigham Young, and he believed that he received knowledge of how modern temples, starting with the Salt Lake Temple, how they should be constructed and in what way. Now, we have a description of how that actually happened in the diaries of Wilford Woodruff, which described how just days after the Vanguard Pioneer Company came into Salt Lake Valley in 1847 that Brigham Young, as he was walking along, was enwrapped in a vision from heaven and inspired to point his cane to the ground, to stick it in the ground and say, here we will build a temple to our God so the place would not be forgotten there was a stake that was pounded into the ground. This was an important thing. And from that location, you have a number of things that ultimately happened. There was a meridian stone, a cornerstone that was actually placed there. That meridian stone is the base or the center place for all of the streets and coordinates for buildings and locations within the Uh, Salt Lake Valley, and even points farther than that. The Salt Lake Temple has, as the streets that surround it, North Temple, West Temple, and all these other streets that had as a basis or as a reference point the Salt Lake Temple. So, literally, Salt Lake City was laid out with, as its center, the temple, which made everyone focus or have their gaze and attention be drawn to the temple from whence it was, by design of the temple, drawn upwards to God. Let's talk a bit about the temple itself and how it was designed because it was done with great, great care and with incredible symbolism. If you were to look at how most great buildings were built at the time— They would start out with a cornerstone being laid at the northeast corner. That was traditional. In the case of the Salt Lake Temple, the southeast corner was instead the very first cornerstone that was laid. It was put in place by the First Presidency of the Church, symbolizing the Melchizedek Priesthood. And why in the southeast corner? Because... In Utah, where the saints were at, and also where the temple was located, the sun comes up, of course, in the east and the south. And so the southeast is where the light first shines from. And because of that, the southeast cornerstone of the temple was first placed to represent the light that was given by Jesus to shine on the earth. From there, the next cornerstone that was laid was in the southwest corner. That was done by the presiding bishopric, and that was done to represent the Aaronic priesthood in its efforts. And then, of course, the four cornerstones were laid, and from there, the rest of the temple was slowly constructed. I'm going to go through some of the symbolisms of the different parts of the temple— and, and what they meant. I mentioned earlier that as you go from the base up to the top of the temple, you find yourself looking more and more and more towards heaven. The symbolism will show that. And so it's as it was constructed from the base onward upward that, that I'm going to describe the way the temples and its symbolism move us ever upward towards heaven. Another point is important. At some point, along the way, I'm going to mention in several times that the original design of the temple was not carried out. There's a reason for that. Brigham Young originally wanted the temple to be made out of adobe, out of fired clay, because he believed that would be the very strongest. He was, and I might add thankfully, overruled by the rest of the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency, and ultimately the temple was made from the granite, as we call it, even though it's not technically granite, stone that we have today. And it's a magnificent structure, but because it was not made out of adobe, some of the details that were part of the original design are not found in the temple. More about that Later, because it's kind of fascinating how the change from fired clay or adobe has impacted the exterior of the temple. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We're talking about the temple, the temple endowment, in ways that hopefully are of interest to you, and will show the great symbolism of the temple. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Our discussion today centers around the temple in Salt Lake City, about its renovation, but more especially about how it was originally constructed, about the symbolism of its design. And it's exterior, because there are many, many ways that the exterior has great and rich symbolism. Another point that ought to be mentioned is how it came to be that the temple consists of a six-spired structure. Because if you go back to Kirtland and then to Nauvoo, We're talking about single-spired structures. And both of those earlier temples were temples, but they were somewhat different, as I mentioned earlier. So how do we get to a six-spired temple? Brigham Young said to Truman Angel excitedly one day as he came into his office, and they were discussing the temple, that he had had a vision, and he wanted the temple to be a certain way, with six spires. And he gave Truman Angel this crude sketch. It was basically a rectangle with three circles at each end of the, of the long rectangle. And each one of those three circles represented a spire. Now, the three spires mean several different things. The spires on the east side are six feet higher than the spires on the west side. The east side spires represent the Melchizedek priesthood. The three spires on the west side represent the Aaronic priesthood. The three spires on the north side have stars at the base of those uh, spires, and those on the east side— with the stars indicate that it's closer to heaven and superior to the Aaronic Priesthood. The three spires on the east side represent Melchizedek Priesthood and the First Presidency of the Church, and also Christ as head of the Melchizedek Priesthood. The three spires on the west side represent the Aaronic Priesthood, They represent the presiding bishopric. They also represent John the Baptist. There are stars at the base of the spires on the east, indicating that they are closer to heaven. There are no stars at the base of the three spires on the west side because they are not quite as close to heaven, and the Aaronic priesthood is subordinate to the Melchizedek priesthood. Now, another great and rich symbolic point about the spires is that they look, or are intended to represent, mountains. They are symbolic of the mountain of the Lord's house, as is referenced in Isaiah 2.2, 2, chapter 2, verse 2. The mountain of the Lord's house is the temple. And those six spires are to represent or look like mountains. And this is, of course, the Lord's house. Somebody directly asked Brigham Young at one point if Jesus would actually live in the temple, to which Brigham Young matter-of-factly said, Jesus can do anything that he wants, but we want to have a magnificent structure so that if Jesus chooses at any time to be here that he will have a place. And I thought that was a great response. Far be it for men to claim somehow that they can tell deity where to be. Okay, so in the few minutes that we have left, let's talk about some of the rest of the symbolism of the temple. If you were to look at the very east side of the temple, you would find two doors that go into the temple. And at this point... There are these two sort of open archways where couples that get married will often hop up into them and have their picture taken. Originally, for a few decades, there were statues of Joseph Smith and Hiram Smith that occupied those two locations. They were eventually taken out and placed at other places on Temple Square. They are the same Wonderful statues of Joseph and Hiram that have been seen on Temple Square for years. But that's what those original carve-outs, if you will, or locations uh, next to the two doors on the east side of the temple, that's what they were for. If you go to the base of the temple, you will find on the lowest level, down by the windows, earth stones. And if you look at them, they just like, look like round circles. If the temple had been constructed out of adobe, each one of those earth stones at the very base of the temple, going all the way around it, would have had representations of the earth as it rotated, so that you could see a different angle and different continents of, of the earth as it rotated around the base. Uh, if you walked around the, the base of the temple, if you go up one story, then you next have moon stones or moon circles, if you will. Those you can see the different phases of the moon. And as you go around the temple, you will see that you can have a calendar from them. The phases of the moon would eventually complete an entire Year And if you were to look at the phases of the moon and start from the center of one side and go to the center of the other, one would start in April and the other one would start in October. Those were to symbolize that John the Baptist was born, and then six months later, Jesus was born, and the belief was, although it was a guess— that that was the time frame that the two of them were born. There are reasons why that may not be, but that's a story for a, different, for a different show. If you go up higher on the temple, the next level all the way up, we get you to a series of sunstones that go just below the top of, of, of the temple. And those sunstones, as you can now detect, you're going from the lowest level earth, higher in the heavens, the moon, Then higher than that, the sun, and higher than that, the stars. So you're going closer and closer to God symbolically. If you go to the west side on the center turret, you will find the Big Dipper. And the Big Dipper is pointed up towards the North Star. And this Big Dipper symbolizes how someone coming to the gospel can be pointed in the right direction for salvation, just as travelers and mariners in ancient times could look at the North Star and the Big Dipper and find their way, whether on land or on sea. Beautiful symbolism there. As you get higher up on the temple, you will find that originally there were to be two angels in the form of weather vanes, on the two center turrets on each side, the east side and the west side of the temple. And those angels were actually horizontal, flying through the heavens, as you read about in Revelation, about the second coming of of Christ being preceded by an angel with a trumpet that was blowing. Ultimately, it was decided that just one angel on the east side Would be there. If you look at the center turret, you will also find above the first level hands that are clasped, meaning the fellowship of the priesthood and the church. And above the next window, you will see the all seeing eye of God. And above that, on the east side, you will find a plaque that is a shorthand of the dedication. Of the Salt Lake Temple. There are many, many other things we just don't have time to cover, but the temple is rich with great symbolism. I hope you've enjoyed this short little discussion about the temple and the endowment. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story.